0: Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Nita Bushin, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate Brave Conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Good day, good morning, welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha. And if you are new, I want to be the first one to welcome you to your home, your destination, your oasis for being just a little bit more brave in your conversations, your actions, and in your relationships. Now, today I have a juicy, juicy episode. If you have ever, ever thought of perhaps maybe shifting identities, rediscovering yourself, maybe reinventing yourself or discovering what the next chapter Could look like for you, this is your episode. You all know that I've done that many times in my life. I feel like reinvention is my jam to some degree. I've done it in my career, my relationships, and basically my entire life. You know, it's not always easy, right? Because you're starting from the ground up again and shifting your identity and perhaps maybe what you've been known for in a previous light into something completely new can not only be jarring and scary. So, I have got the foremost expert, the one and only Jennifer Kim. She's known as Jen Kim. She's a branding and marketing expert who gets entrepreneurs seen, heard, and paid. I just love that tagline, by the way. For being themselves, she's the creator of the Master Brand Method, a framework to develop powerful brand archetypes that win customers' hearts. She also uses the Master Brand Method in digital strategy coaching for emerging entrepreneurs, celebrity brands like Oprah Winfrey. Steve Harvey, and major corporations like Verizon, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Bank of Hawaii. What she is most passionate about in her work today is her legacy project. Jen Kim also invests in quite a few different companies, as well as she takes on brands to make them expand and scale. But her latest project is her Femfluence, a platform that supports women leaders to fully rise into their influence and affluence so they can make an even greater impact in the world. Jennifer serves straight up talk wrapped in love because she understands entrepreneurs' challenges. She's built retail businesses, became a millionaire at 32, to lose it all in the recession two weeks years later. And now she's a successful owner of multiple seven to eight figure brand building companies. And she is the mama of three kiddos. I do not know how she does it. She is such an inspiration for me. And she is also a fellow pinai sister. So I'm so glad that you get to learn from her today. And we dive into the following topics. We get into how to be resourceful and how to make yourself stand out in a crowded area, what it means to be values-driven, and how to actually live your life and anything that you create in the world through values-driven decisions. We get into a little bit about how imposter syndrome is sometimes used, perhaps maybe as a crutch, and the one step that you need to take to pivot right now and so much more. We even get into embracing your multi-hyphenate self. That is a term that is roaming around these days and we get into it all. So without further ado, let's welcome Jen Kem sitting with us today on the Brave Table. Hey there, Brave Table fam. I'm so excited because we get to sit with one of my dearest, dearest... I mean, she's been a mentor, a friend, a penai sister, all of the things, Jen Chem, Hello, Queen Nita. So happy to be here. Oh my fellow gosh, fellow queen, fellow fellow yeah. queen. Yes, I'm so excited because for everyone watching or listening to this, it's two pinais sitting at the table today.
1: Yes. I love that we get to represent because there's not a lot of us. At least that I've seen. There's out not there, a lot. So. No, there's not a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's how we do. We do it together. We I just mean, come and like all support. I always tell people, if you don't have a Filipino friend in your life, you absolutely need one. So just make this episode your BFF episode and then go find one of us and you are going to be set.
0: Seriously, why is that? Like, this is the Ohana and you're Hawaiian-Filipino. Yeah. So can we get into that? Why is it that everybody loves Filipino culture?
1: I think it's because, like, our culture itself is all about family, right? And then... Mm -hmm. Hawaii is also, I mean, Lilo and Stitch, that whole idea of ohana means family. Moana. Yeah, nobody gets left behind kind of thing. So Filipinos, I think just in general, we are first and foremost an indigenous tribal nation. Mm -hmm. And then we got all of the sprinkles of the Spanish and American and Japanese influences. And, but what never stopped, even as we got Colonized mm-hmm. um, was our way of like being, which is growing up in Hawaii. You know, my grandma immigrated from the Philippines. She worked in the plantations. And our house was like this buzzing hub of all the new family that she was just trying to bring over the Philippines. Because mm-hmm. people like Filipinos, <laughs> we always trying to bring our whole family. The whole- We want you to be our neighbor. And then, you know, they come over and instead of like, I don't know, you know, you get like you go to a potluck and you bring a gift or a new housewarming gift. Filipinos like to exchange vegetables and fruits. Okay, so you come over, we got all new bananas and like stuff. (laughs) Uh, And And then my grandma's giving people papayas. And I just think it's because We really believe in like looking out for each other. Mm -hmm. And so I... The Kabayan. Totally. Yeah. I think it's so important. It's so important. I'm glad we have that because I think it's made us more community focused instead of such individual ruggedness. Like we're into collective harmony and we want that. So I love that about us. No, it's so true. And you were honestly
0: one of the first people that I loved that I was like, yes, Because you just kind of let it emanate in all of the projects you were doing, in how you do business Mm -hmm. and how you teach business. Mm -hmm. It was such a bright light for me, you know, still being as like a dentist and like crossing over. And I'm like, yes, she's doing it and she's owning it. Yeah. And to have, you know, that sort of representation, that was just like, okay, Mm -hmm. it's not like you appeared a certain way on camera Mm. versus... IRL. yeah, You know, it was just this family, community, fun, and all of the, you know, all of the intricacies. And that's
1: who you are. Thank you. I mean, I think, you know, since this is the brave table, since I get to sit here, so I'm so grateful to be sitting here. Let's go. I spent the first 15 years of my career in the corporate world where I felt like I had to wear a different identity, a different mask. One of the best and worst advice that I got early on in my career was from this incredible mentor of mine. Her name's Maria, but in the corporal call herself Maria, she called herself Mary Ooh. because mm-hmm. she didn't want people to know she was Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And I was working at the time, my first real job out of college, I worked for Ogilvy, which is a big deal, but I was a junior copywriter. But that what that really meant is I just like brought coffee to the ad executives. And what I would do is I would just be like, A sponge, you know, I would sit in there. And Ogilvy
0: was a big marketing agency. Exactly, it's one of the
1: biggest in the world still. And David Ogilvy is the godfather of marketing, right? And his his practices are still used by copywriters today. Well, anyway, here I was in the San Francisco office, and this amazing, vibrant woman was in charge, Mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want her job one day." I was twenty two years old, looking for mentorship, and I think that's another thing about what we get to do is like. I think young women want mentors so bad and they don't know where to look for them. So it is important to show your true self because it's not about they're going to choose you over another. They're going to choose who they resonate with because there's so much available for everyone. So amazing. So anyway, back to Maria. I remember my first performance review, you know, we went through it and she was really taking a keen eye to the young folks. Mm -hmm. And I already saw that like she had this leadership Uh, magic that was like, she cared even, Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't her who was supervising us on the daily, but she actually took the time during performance review time to talk to us. And so since I had that opportunity and I got to let you know, people don't believe me, but I'm actually, I'm introverted. I am somebody who also culturally as a Filipina, I was always told if you bring too much attention to yourself or you even have nice things, people are going to hex you. They're going (laughs) to like Yo, we believe in black magic. Don't let the Roman Catholicism fool you, okay? Like,
0: <laughs> we got all of that you going on. You your life, Yes, right.
1: because otherwise people are going to be jealous and they're going to try to come after you. And I think that's true in some ways. But it that was like always these two voices inside of me. Like, mm-hmm. I want to help people with what I know. And then there's the other voice like, be quiet. Don't bring too much attention to yourself, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I remember I was just sweating bullets like, oh my God, oh my God, I want to ask her this question. And somehow I found the bravery to do it. I said, if I want your job one day, what would I have to do to get it? And I remember her saying to me, oh my God, Mm. I've never had a young woman ask me that. So first of all, thank you. Wow. And second of all, let me tell you a couple of things. Number one, if you want to be successful, take all the projects that nobody else wants. Okay. Because that's, what's going to make you shine because you're willing and I know you're, you're an expert on grit. Mm. It's like your grit, your resilience, your ability to resource things and figure stuff out by taking things that nobody, nobody wants to take them on because they're political or like in a corporate environment, or there's a chance of failure. Or they rock like, the boat exactly. in some way. Exactly. And she's yeah. like, the only way you're going to get noticed is that. And number two, this was the quote unquote bad advice she revealed to me that her real name was Maria, not Mary, and mm-hmm. that she had to hide that she was Hispanic because she was a light-presenting Hispanic, just like I'm a light-presenting Filipina. And she was like, don't tell people you're Filipino anymore Oof. if you want to rise the ranks. And that was like a gut punch and like a yes to that part of my, the the, pers- the the devil on my shoulder that was saying, don't stand out. Don't let people know who you really are. You have to like... Please other people to succeed, because I was ambitious, but I was also like I had all those cultural influences going on. so anyway, of course, she gave that great advice absolutely led to me moving up the corporate ladder super quick because I took on every project that sucked. I was like the Olivia Pope of like the corporate world. People mm-hmm. were always trying to recruit me to be on their projects and lead their teams, and you know all that, but I never talked about being Filipino. Mm. I never wore my stilettos because I'm a shoe girl. Okay. Yes, um, she is. Imelda Marcos. Yes, okay. I sure am. I'm really like the Imelda <laughs> Marcos of like this world. Yes. And gratefully and proudly so. And, and I wanted to stop you yeah. because like when
0: you started like just being unapologetic on stage, sharing all of the things, like we knew that it was like, all right, Jen likes the nice things. I'm like, all right, I am like alright i Like, I want (laughs) to hang with her. She's showing off her shoes, like all of these things where traditional people who were teaching in any sort of way that were female Mm -hmm. were kind of more buttoned up, stoic, not really fully embracing their whole 100% self.
1: Yeah, I I like to say it like this, like we were doing business like little men. Yeah. (laughs) it's like, why? Why were we doing that? So yeah, it was talk about freedom when I made that big leap from the corporate world to entrepreneurship and doing my own thing. I did a lot of work around allowing myself to be me Mm -hmm. because I'm a brand strategist. I'm somebody who can see the future and I can see how to grow really fast. And I realized that if I wanted to be a brand, meaning- actually all of us are brands, even countries are brands. Yes. Can
0: we talk about that? Because you say that a lot. All Mm -hmm. of us are brands. Mm -hmm. So every single person, even if you don't have a business right now and you're
1: listening, Mm -hmm. you are a walking brand. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's three types of brands. There are personal brands, offer brands, and company brands, basically. And Basically, a brand is, it's not about aesthetics. It's about how do you make people feel? So even if you're watching and you're in the corporate world or you have a traditional job, you are a walking brand. Meaning when I said I was the Olivia Pope of the corporate world, that was my brand. I was the go-to person to like resuscitate projects that were going south or to deal with teams or fighting political parties within corporations. And so that became my brand. And therefore, when people recognize your brand of you, the people that gravitate towards that will find you and tons of opportunities will show up. The other thing about brands is that we're all influenced by brands. Right. It's like everything, right? right. And it's 100% intentional and subconscious, right? think about the phone you carry. You're either an Android or you're an iPhone user, you know, and both parties are super devotional. Even if it starts to regress, like I'm an iPhone person, but I'm starting to notice some things. And I'm like, Steve Jobs would totally be rolling over in his grave (laughs) if he saw some of the things they were doing. But once you're in, you're in. Mm -hmm. If you look at the car you drive, it says a lot about you, right? If you see, again, the shoes you wear, and it doesn't mean that, let's say I like bougie shoes, that If you don't, it doesn't mean anything about that. You don't like wealth or you don't. It just means that, what are you? Maybe you're like an outdoors person. Maybe you like Birkenstocks. Right. Maybe you like Birks. Maybe you like cozy bunny slippers, whatever. Um, But it does say something about you. Like if I saw you wearing that a lot, I'd be like, she likes comfort. And Mm -hmm. that's good to know. It's a signal to other people what you're up for and what you care about. So... When I talk about brands, back to the three types of brands, especially in today's society, you know, with the advent of social media, it's never going away, right? Right. And you're like a walking you're brand. You're a walking brand. And don't let that intimidate you because then I don't want you to feel like, oh, now I have to put this mask on or this new persona. Actually, my invitation to you is actually be more of yourself because mm-hmm. there's so much fakery on these online streets. People are refreshed when they see that you're really being yourself Right. and that you're coming with being helpful, useful, a valuable exchange of information or even if you have a product. And I think that people have been taught architect your personal brand so that people will follow you. I think the word architect is the wrong word. Mm, you know, yeah. it's really about what are your strengths? What are your values? And the thing that you serve the world with, whether it's product services, or even if, again, you're in a traditional job, or maybe you're a mom who chose to stay home with the kids, God bless you, okay? That's all I can say. (laughs) Whatever the role you are in this season, Mm -hmm. be sure to like show up fully as yourself. And that's what people want.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. no, and it's so true. So, and I kind of wanted to go back to a little bit of what you said, because when we think, and as a young person, you know, listening to this, right? Like me, my former self, remembering back. Do you remember like back in the day, I don't know, maybe it was like a decade ago when like Facebook just came out and like, I don't know, maybe it was even longer than that. But I remember I was like either in college or maybe even dental school, maybe it was in college, but you had this certain persona that you needed to, to kind of embody to get into this professional school or grad school or whatnot. And I remember I did not want the admissions people looking at my photos, partying in Cabo back in the day. Yep. And then going into the interview, literally I went and I like wore like the craziest, like, you know, glasses to make me look like I was a older, school smarter. teacher, uh, yeah. older, smart, like no beauty, yeah. no makeup, hair in a ponytail, hair pulled back. And literally I remember like, I didn't want to show any cleavage at uh-huh. all and like buttoned the shirt all the way up to my neck. It was so ridiculous. But it was like, you look at a photo and it was like, wow, neither had no personality.
1: Right. Where is your personality? Where's the seasoning? Where's the adobo? <laughs> like, you know, like, adobo? where is it at? No, <laughs> and that's true. I was the absolute same. That was what I call the, like, that's that little man uniform. I call it. It really like, was. Where's was a little a man, man uniform. uniform. And here's the thing. What's interesting is there are certain jobs still. So I don't want to pretend that that's not true because it's still true that you are being watched because social media is almost forever now. So I think you have to be thoughtful about mm. how you want to be seen. Mm. But that doesn't mean that you have to completely tolerate not being yourself. And I think you got to find that happy medium. So, for example, if you do have a career in, let's say, government politics, right? True. Okay. Um, mm. It's a good example of like, if you already know that as a young person, you might want to be thinking through not to be fake, because I think hello more than ever, especially in the U S we, right we, we want real people. We want real more, people. Yeah. We want real solutions, yeah. but still, if you think that not having some control over the way that you project yourself isn't important, then that's not the career for you. That's right. part of it too. It's like choose yes. the career to that discovery. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And also nowadays, the good thing is you can explain it all because I think we're also changing. The world of work is changing with, you know, we're filming this post-pandemic or like, you know, after the the mega parts of the pandemic and people had to work from home and now people are expecting to work from home. And so this is a different workforce, a different training that the workforce has been trained to behave like. And so that means like, can you show up on, they call it like, you know, the mullet on Zoom. Like, you know, it's professional. Let's yeah. have party on the bottom. You know, bottom for right? everybody. <laughs> and I totally was doing that myself. In fact, I have been since the advent of my entrepreneurship. But yeah, it's like you're just choosing.
0: Right. And I want to segue into the next kind of art to talk about you as a mom and building all of these mega, mega businesses. Mm-hmm take us through that journey because you're a mama of three. Yes. And you transitioned from corporate into now being the brand empress and queen Mm -hmm. as you are today.
1: Mm -hmm. So take us through how all of that Mm. journey began. Well, it's a long winding yarn, so I'll pull it a little and then we'll see what unravels. But, um, you know, in the corporate world, I tell people this all the time. I don't have this sexy jump off the cliff entrepreneurship story. In fact, as a young person, Nita, I'm sure you understand this because you became a dentist. And Mm. by the way, also as an Asian girl, it was like, (laughs) like, you know, doctor, (laughs) Doctor, nurse, nurse, lawyer, lawyer, you know, maybe government even like, you know, work for the state or work for the feds. Stable. Yes. Stable. Like no risk. Right. And so I thought I was going to be a lawyer and I went through high school and college in pursuing that. And- You would have been a great lawyer. Well, I think so too. So that's why I'm like, I think it would have been okay if if I was, because I think I would have changed things over there too. But something happened where it didn't work out for me on the lawyer side. And that's a whole nother story that I'll tell on another show. But it was, it was severe enough where I got to a point where I was completely lost Mm. when I was a junior in college. And I was like, what am I going to do? Well, fortunately or unfortunately, I was going to school at Santa Clara University, which is in the Silicon Valley. And anybody who was legit got a job in Silicon Valley. Valley. Right. And so I always tell people, I'm not a spring chicken. I'm a seasoned chicken. So (laughs) I was there when like eBay was huge. Netscape was huge. It was the first big IP startup time, like super OG time. So it was a really sexy, exciting time to be in tech. And tech goes through these waves, right? And it was the first big Silicon boom. So I was like, I guess I'm going to be a tech person, right? But I knew that I, I was always so interested in human behavior. So I, I wanted to understand why people made decisions. And so I pursued a marketing degree just because of that. Because I figured mm-hmm. if I had the skills of a marketer, yep. which marketing is really the science of human consumption, like understanding mm. why we consume and say yes to things from a commerce perspective. And like, and it's the psychology of how all things move. Correct. Like marketing is everything. And I realized how powerful it was to have that skill and understanding. And it was a very fascinating thing for me. So as I mentioned a little earlier, my first job was in copy and whatnot. And that's how that came about. But when I decided that I was going to Focus on behavioral sciences, specifically in the marketing realm. I thought, okay, I'm going to work for a big company. I'm going to be the CEO of Google one day. That's literally what I, my eyes were set on that. Google was a young baby company at that time. I remember like Sergey Brin is one of the founders of Google and he was on the cover of Entrepreneur. And back then, Google was entrepreneurial, you know, not this big behemoth corporation. I like to remind everybody if you are entrepreneurial, every single company started out in, um, like a baby, yeah, like a baby in a garage, across from a kitchen table, like talking about their dreams to change the world or fill a void or solve a problem. Right. And just some people choose to create big things. And some people choose to like create bigness inside of whatever their lane is. Anyway, you asked mm-hmm. me about my journey. So when I decided I was going to be a corporate person, that was it. I was like, that's what I'm going to be. And so I told you how that happened. Maria influenced me. I moved up the corporate ladder really quick. So I always tell people like, I had no reason to leave my job. I was making $450,000 a year. I had a corner office in a high rise with a disco ball in it. Not bad. And I had a parking spot that said Jen MFN chem on it. Now, it didn't say the MFN, but that's what I thought when I drove into my parking spot. Yo, I was like, to me, the parking spot was everything. But it back to like thinking about how like all of our trophies and triumphs, we tend to get attached to them, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of the reason why we won't shift or change our identity because it's scary because especially when you work so hard to achieve, I trust and believe it. I earned those trophies and triumphs because I was working my butt off And I was a mom at the same time. And so it was like, how did I do it? Lots of help. So it was crazy because without knowing it, I had to get support and help. But it's not my natural nature to ask for it. But because of that anchor, really, I had no choice. It was either career or the kids. And I was like, I want both. How can I want both? I always tell people, like, I was like Britney Spears. I was like, I want to be a young mom. You know, I want to be fresh and running after them when I'm like 40, you know. <laughs> and and so I did. I chose the hard route. Like, I was like, oh, here, let me have kids in my 20s. And let me go pursue this really ambitious Silicon Valley career, you know. I mean, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So how did work is like, literally, thank God I'm Filipino. I can't say this because I had my hui around me. Hui means like collective in Hawaiian. And and this was in Hawaii. In at the Hawaii, time. Yeah. yeah. And so I had family. Mm-hmm. And without that, I don't know if I could have the life I have today. So I just want to honor that because yeah. you know to really trust our family members. Totally. To help bring kids to school, to like make sure I could make it to the after school things, like the art stuff and the sports stuff. Because both of my daughters really like liked both of those things. And I had to make trade-offs. And I think so much for those of you listening, kind
0: of transitioning into motherhood, but yet you still are so passionate about wanting to create that next chapter for yourself Mm -hmm. because you don't want to get lost and you don't want to just be in the mom role. Like Mm -hmm. I know several friends, mom friends who are like, they get into that mom role and they love it. And then, you know, kind of go back into the like self-discovery to like refine themselves. But then a whole slew are kind of like, okay, I feel like I want to create something now that I am a mama. Yes. And I feel like both of us are in that camp. Yes. Yes. Of being able to pay it forward so that our kids can actually see that for us. And not wanting to ask for help is like the biggest thing because we're just being the martyrs. Yes. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I
1: mean, I was just going to say like, I don't feel like I was a textbook mom for sure. And I don't want anybody to follow my path and think it was easy because I had to have a lot of hard conversations myself. I cried a lot. I was frustrated a lot because I knew that how demanding my job was that absolutely my daughters were getting sometimes the crappy end of the stick, you know, in terms of presence from me. And what I realized was that that's exactly it. The word is presence. So early on, Enlisting support. The second thing I learned was, when we are together, make it potent. Make it so focused on them, and that mommy is here. I'm not looking at my phone. Fa- back then, like in the early days, I, I didn't really even have, have I would. I had a Palm Pilot, y'all. That's how old my butt is. You know, <laughs> Motorola, right? Eraser <A> <laughs> phones away. Present over meals. Cooking for them. You know, when you're a busy mom, and I don't want to shame any of this because. I would totally like go through the fast food place. And I would give my kids NutriGreen bars in our SUV while I was like putting my mascara on at stoplights. Like right. this was totally right. our world. You were doing what you had to do. But when I had the space, I would be present. I called those red line days. Mm-hmm. So I would block out at least once a week. I try for two to three times, but minimum was once a week. There was a two-hour block of time that was just for them, and it was red on my calendar. Love that. I mean, red stop. line days. Red line days, stop. We could do that. Yeah. That's great. Red line days. Yeah, and okay. I had a conversation with the girls because I said, look, mommy has these dreams, and I think we're also afraid to tell our kids what our dreams yes. are. Okay. And yeah. so when I said, my dreams include you. Okay, in fact, you're a big reason I have these dreams. And so... I want you to know, like, these are the, your times. It's not I'm, I'll tell you this. If anything ever comes up for you, I'm there. But when mommy's working, there's a reason for it. And I want you to understand. And I think that really helped because they were like, oh, okay. It's not because she wants to ignore us. It's because she's doing her so that we can all have this great life. Like whether it was our nice house or our nice car, or food or private school education, which I was able to work up to as a result of that. And then having those red line days really helped us learn presence. And to this day, I will say, I think my daughters will, if we're here with us right now, I think they would say red line days were like the best days once a week, because I just didn't let anything interfere with them. And I think if you can just put that kind of boundary, your kids really appreciate it. And they appreciate being communicated to Cause I don't know about you, Nita, but my parents, they loved me, but they didn't think it was my business about their parenting. <laughs> like, right. They didn't communicate. They, no, they didn't talk about money. Right. They didn't talk about... You just heard it in the bickering or something. Yes. Right? And you would just be told, like, I'm the mother, you do what I say. And I... Can't talk back to your elders. All of that still to this day. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be a little bit different because I... And it was kind of selfish because I felt like if I don't do that, then they're, I don't want my kids to hate me. And I'm really proud to say that I think my greatest success in life when people ask me is that my kids... They want to go on vacation with me, right? They like like hanging out with me. They enjoy visiting with me. And to me, that's like, I must've did something, right? Even though it was such a busy mom for them growing up.
0: So. I mean, I love that, like, you're really owning the whole, yeah, I'm, I'm busy, but I'm mm-hmm. also actually building a legacy for us. Yes. And I feel like when I think of you, legacy is a huge part of how you operate, how you even... See the visions and the values, and you talk a lot about values being values driven. Yes. And for you to even instill those values in your daughters. Yes. I mean, it's so inspiring as a mom of really tiny babies to see, okay, that is a possibility. They're having fun, they're doing photo shoots or another project, and you do so many different things. So tell us, and well, I want to ask a follow up branding question, but what does values driven actually mm-hmm. mean in this kind mm-hmm. of season of life mm-hmm. where now you are operating mm-hmm. at a different level as you were, Yeah, you know, 10 years ago?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing I'll say is that values are who you are. So what I mean by that is values are where you spend the most time. That's the quickest way to figure out what your true values are, not the values you wish you had, the values that you see other people having. You're like, I wish I could be like that. It's really about where are you spending your time. And if you want your life to look different. You need to look at where you're spending your time. And therefore, those are what you're value. Because what we value is what we tend to stay attached to, right? And so I realized when I left the corporate world, and I left because after all that hard work, how my life was showing up was that my ambition was my highest value, mm-hmm. right? And I was linking ambition to my family, like saying, okay, and I realized. That actually my family was my highest value, but it didn't show up the way that I wanted to show up besides my red line presence days. I knew there needed to be more, but I didn't want to give up the things I wanted to change. So back to being values driven, I realized when I got passed up for a promotion that I had been promised,
0: Mm.
1: it was that moment that I realized that I was chasing the wrong values. And that was the problem. I was chasing values instead of being values. Ooh, chasing values instead of being values. Yes. Mm. And I realized that ambition wasn't my highest value or I didn't want it to be anymore. What I wanted was autonomy to be my highest value. But in order for it to be, I needed to make radical changes and they were scary as all hell, right? Right. To leave my corner office, my parking spot, my really awesome salary that I got every two weeks, truck direct deposits, <laughs> all that team I had reporting to me. Wow. I was like, I must be freaking crazy to like want to leave this. And I actually didn't. That's what I want you to just get. I didn't want to, but I had to. Because my soul was saying, the reason you're not having both I was having a but life instead of an and life was because this job had me focused. And so I was like, I need a flexible thing to give me that. So I started to trust my own skills and say, okay, I guess I could try it out. And that's how I figured out that I could change my value system by being in action and then also I started to coin that as my word. And then I started trying on like, what if I only said yes to things that were in my values? What if everything else was a no? And so I'm not a big hell yes, hell no person. You know, people say, oh, it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. I like to call them clean yeses and clean noes. Mm, is like it that. in alignment with my values? If it is, it's a clean yes. If it's not, it's a clean no. And I don't have to feel any guilt or FOMO or all the things that we feel And then also, I always like to say maybe is the devil because indecision is a decision. Right. And it's what keeps us stuck. And the thing is, once you make a choice, yes or no, you actually can't make a mistake because whatever's there to rally around that decision will happen. And the faster you make clean no decisions and clean yes decisions, actually everything you want will happen fast. And I think that's how I've rapidly been able to reconstruct my life after the corporate world into a life that looks... Like deserving of me, worthy of me, worthy of my values, worthy of my family.
0: Well, and it also segues into the other question that I wanted to ask around building your brand archetype. Yeah. And really, you know, the season of like being able to pivot, being able to start something new, being able to, if somebody's like really feeling the juice in this conversation, is like, I've always wanted to start something. I've always had this passion for X, I've always had this passion for Y. Yet, you know, am I a brand right now? Like, am I a walking brand? Or or maybe they've been doing something or be, they've been known for doing something for a really long yes. time. And they just kind of want to change
1: oh, I and love, shift. Oh, uh, I love this thing. Because one of the biggest things that I see in today's world is, you know, people talk about imposter syndrome all the time. Yes. I know that imposter syndrome is actually a real diagnosis, FYI, in the psychological world. But I actually think it's become a crutch mm. for stuck identity syndrome. That's what I like to call it. Why do you think that is though? Well, number one, remember I had all the trophies and triumphs and there's this quote I love Mm. that says a lot of us don't start because we don't want to be seen starting from the bottom. Mm. And so we want to be seen as that person who accomplished X, Y, and Z. But if we want to pivot and change into something different or something that is even slightly different from what we did, we get all messed up. We're all like, okay, I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I'm an imposter. Will people ever take me seriously? Or will I ever take myself seriously? And what I want to encourage you to know is that absolutely you can. I'm living proof. Nita is living proof, right? I mean- have been doing it over and know, over again. <laughs> and because what you've done in the past actually is a great story to tell in that transition. Because again, I love that you reference seasons. Like you don't skip from spring to winter, right? The next season is how do you identify your brand of you in this next step you want to take? So let's pretend you want to be a coach. Okay. Right? Cool. So, and let's say you have a background like me, marketing in a company, Mm. and I want to be a coach. And I don't want to be a marketing coach. I want to be a life coach. I want to help people with this values thing that I'm talking about. Only that. I don't want to talk about all the things. So my next step wouldn't be like, hey, now I'm a life coach and I was a marketing executive before. Mm -hmm. I would say my next step is as a marketing executive, marketing is the psychology of human consumption. And I started to study that. So I wanted to take a few people in the business world and be their life coach, like maybe their marketers themselves. And so now I'm going to help them be their life coach. That's the next season. You find the adjacent idea. Almost like the bridge. Right. And to move into what's next but a lot of times we're like, oh, we're going to strip our entire identity. I don't want people to know I was in the corporate world because then they won't take me seriously as a life coach or vice versa. And I'm like, no, use that. It's more authentic. It's real. It's honest. And it's your story. And it's your story. And back to like choosing your market in the next season can change the next season after that. So maybe you're like, I don't want to help business people. I want to help moms who Mm want to make a transition. Okay, great. So then the next season, it would be like, moms, who are in the corporate world, burnt out maybe, right? Mm. Then I can help them with that because they're going to trust me because I understand their lifestyle because I was in that world, right? Right. And then season four could be, now I'm a life coach that helps women of color or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we just, we try to skip seasons instead of focusing on the next season. I think that's a really important decision. You jump the full leap and then kind of tend to drown. You've heard that quote, especially since Nita has like written all these books. (laughs) And- it's like, don't compare your chapter one to their chapter 20 or 10 or whatever. Like all of us have been at chapter one, mm-hmm. period. No one's immune to it. I don't care who you admire, if it's Oprah or Richard Branson, or they have all started at chapter one.
0: Hello there loves. I just wanted to take a quick moment here as you've all heard me talk about navigating intense, tough, and sometimes just sucky human moments before. Now as the queen of grit and resilience, There are those situations in life that just remind us that despite our best efforts, that life has its own plan sometimes. And honestly, we're just human at the end of the day. Nope, we can't control it all. And if you feel like you're always trying to, I see you, love. As a recovering type A perfectionist, I too was once needing to feel certain and in control about just about everything. Because honestly, everything around me was just falling apart and the thought of any uncertainty would literally heighten my anxiety levels. So I totally get it if you're the type who feels the need to have a handle on everything, but it's just not possible. So what do you do? What I've discovered is that although you can't control what life tosses your way, you can control how you bounce back from the suck. So to help you out, I put together a super fun quiz that will help you find out your audacious, resilient archetype is. How resilient are you? So it only takes 90 seconds to complete, and it'll tell you so much about how you bounce back from those sucky moments, plus give you some tools that you need to help strengthen your bounce factor so that you can not only handle the stress, the overwhelm, and honestly, just about anything that comes your way. So check it out. See how high your bounce factor is at bouncefactorquiz.com. Go ahead there to take my free quiz today, bouncefactorquiz.com. Get your results and the resources that you need to level up. And now let's get back to more juicy goodness in this episode. What I love that you were able to create, and this is such a game changer for my life, for Ujit's life, for so many people that, I mean, that are in kind of this service and support and transformation world that we were able to share this with all of our Communities, as well as you created such a simple tool to figure out what your master brand archetype is. Yes, yes. So, can you like walk us through it really quickly?
1: Yeah. So, I just want to say that this particular model is from when I was at Ogilvy. Mm-hmm. I learned about it by being in those rooms where there would be these huge campaigns, and the biggest campaign I saw debated in those boardrooms were Pepsi versus Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. two of the biggest brands in the world. And the marketers kept talking about the brand archetype of Coke, which was a muse. And then the brand archetype of Pepsi, which was the ruler. And I was so fascinated, like, what is this thing? So mm. archetypes are actually coined by Dr. Carl Jung, J-U-N-G. You know, he's also- OG. He's the OG. He's also the- uh He's kind of like the godfather of the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs. These psychological triggers are used in marketing to make people do things. And a lot of people get scared about marketing because they're like, oh, are you manipulating? And I'm like, actually, manipulation doesn't have to be deceptive. There's a difference between manipulation and deception. Mm -hmm. And manipulation to honor your market's needs so that you can actually help them is required because Human beings, we are wired a certain way to behave on autopilot in certain mm-hmm. things. And so the people who need our help need our help seeing what's in it for them to play. As long as we know we're ethical human beings, using those type of models like brand archetypes is a very ethical way to understand first who you are, mm-hmm. so that you can have more courage to speak about how you can help people. because. I have a new definition of marketing. I like to say that marketing is simply letting people know how you can help them. Mm. And if you can yeah. simply let people know how you can help them and brand archetypes can help you, then I love offering it. So anyway, there are 12 brand archetypes and I have an amazing diagnostic. I'm happy to share with Nita's crew here with the brave table. People. I would love it. I would love it. And basically it's, the personality of your brand. If I were just kind of trying to shortcut it, there's a lot more there. Obviously, when you take this diagnostic and it's a real diagnostic, it's not some kind of clickbait, Disney princess um, (laughs) quiz. It's really like- No, it's full. It's comprehensive. Yeah, it's going through the depth of like what drives you, what motivates you, what inspires you to show up. Mm -hmm. And then it comes with these reports of how you can like use those personas that are really true to you. They're not fake. They are who you are to strengthen your messaging when you're trying to call out to the people who want your help.
0: Well, and I think that's, it's so important to really, it's like, we do all of these like personal growth tools to see where we're at on our we journey. We love personality
1: tests too, right? right? We
0: love it. Like who doesn't? Yeah. Like human design. Enneagram. Enneagram.
1: Myers-Briggs. Right. Finder, Numer- Numerology. numerology. <laughs> astrology. <I> mean, <laughs> astrology.
0: All of the things. Okay. And so I think that for, especially when you're Stepping into that next chapter or that next season of life, and you're still maybe kind of unsure, or you're kind of like, Oh, I like this, but I feel like I'm also a little bit spicy like this. And how do I actually infuse that? Your tool or the master brand archetype is just, I mean, it's been so amazing to help weave in some of those things. And I even feel that really to be unapologetic, yeah, and own and, it, and really owning yeah. where you're trying to go. Yeah, because that's who you're wanting to be or you're desiring to be in that mm-hmm. way. And so you're fully giving people permission to be like, yeah, you're the ruler
1: archetype. Yes, exactly. And then it gives you language because that's where we get caught up to when we're in the pivot. It helps give you language that does feel good for you to put on, and you, that you've been looking you get for. And you so confused yes, too,
0: like yes. where you're at. And I mm-hmm. feel like the master brand archetype really gives you that whole 180 of like, okay, that's always been you. Mm-hmm. So go in and interact with it. So we'll link it in the show notes yes. as well. Yes, 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 yes. Amazing. So as we lean into our next uh, chapter, what I love is that in this season of life, while you've built so many amazing brands, you still sit on people's boards. You still interact with people in that way to help them build their eight and nine figure businesses, but also you're doing some other fun projects. Yeah. So take us through that.
1: Well, you know, just like you listening, probably I like to use the word Multi-hyphenate people. You're multi-hyphenate people. You're interested in a lot of different things, and you don't want to be just assigned as one type of person. Not just in your career, but in your life. You probably have a ton of different passions. Maybe passions you haven't even pursued. And for me, now that I've created, you know, what I've created, I realized I wasn't giving my multi-hyphenate gen enough love. I'm able to quickly up businesses, turn them profitable and known, and then spin them off, sell them, or like help people do that. And I was like, I'm not doing anything fun for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm helpful, which I felt good about, but am I doing something fun? So if you really knew me, you would know that. I love collecting crystals, minerals, and rocks. Yes, and, you do. Yeah. And I had a whole museum straight up, y'all, in my house. And people come to my house and they're like, whoa, I felt like I should have bought a ticket for admission because, (laughs) and people think it's not just because of the mystical energetic, although that I totally am into that too. It was as a young girl, I was kind of a loner because I always felt very different. And so what I would do is I would collect rocks from the mountains and collect seashells from the beach. And like, they were like little cozy comfort things for me. Mm -hmm. And so I just love that mother nature is so dope. Like, when you look at minerals and crystals, you're like, Mother Nature made this. This is like really dope. And Mm -hmm. so people kept asking me, like, are you going to sell them? Can you teach me about them? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is my hobby. Mm -hmm. Well, during the pandemic, I just like all of you were stuck in our houses and all I was looking at was my crystals besides (laughs) Zoom and so I was like, oh, let me just have fun with this and I will do like an educational show on Instagram. So I just created a new Instagram account. Didn't like just said, hey, if you want to learn a little bit about crystals just for fun. I'll show you my little museum in my house. And it was so wild because then people are like, I want to buy that one. I want to buy that one. I want to buy that one. And I was just using my natural passion And of course, I have this marketing mind, branding mind that's natural to me now. So it's like the subconscious skill now. Right. And and your brand architect as well. Yes. And so I was like, oh, you guys want to buy some stuff? Okay. You know what? Actually, I do have excess. So I started out with my own collection. And then, of course, that made it even more like premium because people were like, it's from your house. And (laughs) I've known that that I know how to smell the money. Like that's how people like Gen Cab knows how to smell the money. So I'm like, oh, yeah, these are the smell the money crystals. And then all of a sudden, a business was born. And it's so fun. And so it's so called amazing. MANA, M-A-N-A, which means And magical I love the bar. branding. Yeah. And my daughter created, it was a family project. I didn't even hire my team to do all the stuff. I was like, I'm not going to bother my team with this. It's just for fun. So my daughter did all the branding and it's epic. And so we're having so much fun. And I just gave her ownership in the company. I was mm-hmm. like, this can be yours and mama will help you. Oh, that's amazing. And... If you go and follow Mana Minerals on IG, you'll see like all her great work. And anyway, it's just so fun. And then twice a year, we get to go on a crystal trip together and pick out new crystals. And it's our red line time, even as you now, be. you know, so like beautiful. to be able to share that passion and fun with people. And then the second thing was during the pandemic, just like Nita and Ajit, they were figuring where, okay, well, should we live someplace else, right? And, and we tried to get you to move to Austin. You did, we you did. did. And I was like, Maybe we have to move because I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I didn't want to leave, but I just felt like I needed to be careful too because I didn't know how the economy was going to go. It was just all these things. You just got to be a smart business person. But I told my real estate agent, who is like one of my entrepreneurial best friends, she's so sharp. I was like, We're going to leave. And she's like, No, you're not. I'm going to find you like the most epic property where you can write the whole thing off. I'm like, You are speaking my love language. Let's go. Right. So I just trusted and I was like, well, maybe. And then she came back to me next week. She's like, so I have an idea for you. I don't know if you're going to say yes, but how would you like to own a vineyard? Oh my gosh. And I was like- Just like that. Just like that. And I was like, am I like, is there a house? And she's like, yeah, it's a house. It's a property. And guess what? You get to stay in the same city that you're in. I'm like, are you flipping crazy? And she's like, and it's off market. So you know what she did? She went and knocked on their door and said, would you like to sell your house? And they were like, we actually have been thinking about it because we're empty nesting. And so when you have people, there's always a solution. That's what I want to say. Whatever your desire is next. And if you have people around you, I I think if Nita would have been following me, if she would have been at my house, she probably would have talked me into Austin because I was so open. Like, what should we do? And so I just want to give credit to Elizabeth. She's my realtor. She was like, check it out. You can turn this into a business right off the property, right? And also have fun because- my husband and I come from Hawaii, small plantation town. Our grandparents were both immigrants from the Philippines. So we grew up in farmland and mm. understand. And so it, there's this connection to the land that feels so special, except now we're like planting bougie crops. It's just like <laughs> grapes. wine grapes. <laughs> um, but it's so fun. And I got to name the vineyard after my grandmother. Her name is Henarosa, spelled Generosa, which is, I always say, my great-grandmother named her right because she was the most generous person that I know and really modeled that for me growing up. Amazing. And so... We've just bottled our first vintage. So exciting. And like, oh my God, there's all this science and stuff that goes into, I mean, I kind of knew that, but when you're doing it yourself, you're like, oh. And then learning again, like, We're not experts, so who do we partner with? Starting from the bottom. Right, and get curious again Mm -hmm. instead of trying to pretend like I know everything. I don't know anything, so I like to drink it. And we get to implant this legacy Mm -hmm. with our family and then it's something I can leave behind for my kids. You know, I used to say, it didn't matter how much money I made in my life. I was like, I just want to give a property to each one of my children. I will tell you, I've made that come true. So now to me, anything is open. Like if I leave after I walk out of this studio... And for some reason I expire. I know that I did my job. And that feels really, really good mm. because I kept humbling myself, even though everybody thinks I'm the smartest person in the room. And I say that with humility. You know, people invite me into rooms and they're like, oh, you have all this experience and whatnot. But the biggest success secret for me is that I really don't work on things I suck at. Mm-hmm. And that's good for your book. That sucked <laughs> now what? Like for me, it's like that sucked now. What? go find somebody who's better than me to do it. That's my answer for all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really helped me. I used to be stuck in my ego. But pursuing your dreams requires so many ego deaths. So Like, you have to kill your ego so much and it builds your resilience and your grit to keep going forward. And just have an anchor. For me, it was my three kids.
0: And having an anchor. And I love that. I hope you shot all of the behind the scenes footage and put it on YouTube because you have your new YouTube channel, which we want everybody to go and subscribe because Mm -hmm. Jen's, Jen's literally building and planting crops and like going in, picking out the good grapes. Straight up. You guys are like
1: stomping, doing like the whole Italian. Well, I wish it was that (laughs) sexy, but we did get to go, like, we don't own the plant that, processes the grapes yet. Okay. But so we have a partner for that, but we got to go in, do the whole like walkthrough. And then at the end, like do the stirring, all the things and put it in the barrel. And it's true organic farm to table. True. Like oh, there's no pesticides that. and all that. So it's really uh. cool. It's biodynamic. So we're getting to do things that I never thought I would ever do because we just stayed curious, you Stay know,
0: curious. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And I loved all of the photos. Like yeah. you did a three-generation photo shoot. Yes.
1: Oh, that was so amazing. So, so special. Check it out on YouTube. What's the channel? So it's just, look for me, Jennifer Kem, K-E-M, and you'll find it. We're setting it up so it's really easy for you to consume. Like, hey, you want to learn about wine? There's a channel for that. You want to learn about marketing? There's a channel for that. Just so that you can like see what multi-hyphenate strategy could look like and know that everything's possible. A lot of people get stuck because they're like, people tell me I can only do one thing at a time. And and let me tell you, as an expert who's been around, they're right. In the beginning, okay, you have to find one thing that hits. And when it hits, figure out how you can find an operator of that thing so that you can go and create that multi-hyphenate pursuit that you really want. So it's actually right. So in season one to maybe around season three, Focusing on one thing is actually, it's true. So if you've been wondering, since I've been talking about multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate, I don't want to lead you down the wrong path. It's not true. I couldn't do this today without my first pursuit with focused depth and then really taking those winnings, if you will, like after I was a lot of failures and then reinvesting it into my other pursuits. So it's not like super quick, but it's worth it. So amazing. And- What does it mean to be brave? I'm just going to go back to, I think being brave is being curious, being Mm. willing to not know everything and trust that human beings actually want to help you. Mm. And one word that describes the season. Mm. Fun. Mm. All right, Brave Table fam, this is Jennifer Kim. How do we follow you? How do we get connected? I love Instagram for chatting back and forth. So if you're on Instagram, you can follow me at jennifer.kem And then as Nita said, YouTube all the way, so much fun. I'm having so much fun, like just showcasing and teaching. It's like my favorite way to teach. And those are the two ways that are best to reach me. Amazing. Well, until
0: next time on The Brave Table. All right. Welcome back to the other side. Listening to Jen. I mean, she is originally from Hawaii. I just feel like her Hawaiian vibes, her Island vibes mixed with a little bit of New York street cred. Anytime that I sit with her, she is funny. She is hysterical. And I'm so glad that you were able to tune in. If you want to get more out of Jen, you can go connect with her at jennifer.chem on Instagram and she has a free gift for all of you guys. So go ahead and get your influence mix, your archetype influence mix assessment. And I've taken it and we've done it within our communities as well. She's been over at the DGI community as well as the DCI community. So go ahead and download it at Jennifer Kim, that's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R, Kim, forward slash brave table. And something to dig that Jen is dishing into most recently is her YouTube channel. It is brand new. Go ahead and subscribe. She is at jenniferchem.com forward slash YouTube. That's where you get all of her tips and insights. And she just started a winery. So you get to see a vlog about that and all of her marketing and master brand tips over there. And if you are curious to learn more just about marketing in general and how mothers do it, the episode number 42 with Emily Hirsch, Entrepreneur Mama, that is a great one, as well as episode 48, Shifting Your Career, Transitions, and Finding Your Superpower with the one and only, love her so much, Ashley Stahl. And then finally, How to Be More Bold and Colorful in All Areas of Your Life with Paula Mate. And if you haven't already gotten your free That Sucked Now What guidebook and your free five-day forward healing practice. You can go ahead and do that when you visit that sucked now and you can get all of the goodies, including the free ones when you secure your copy. I am so excited for you all and have an amazing day, amazing week. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for spending your time with us and I will see you next time.